if you have your uh, Bibles, go with me to Numbers, the 13th chapter. And I want to uh, speak to you on, today on a topic that I'll share with you in just a minute. So you've heard the scripture that said, saying, having eyes to see, they see not, and ears to hear, they hear not. And I thought about how many times we're, we look at something, but we really don't see what we're looking at, or we hear something, and we really don't hear what's being said. And I thought about the story of this man that he uh, was at church, and he walked up to the preacher, and he told the preacher, he said, could you please pray for my hearing? So the preacher stuck his fingers in his mouth, and stuck his fingers in the guy's ears and started praying for him and said, Lord, I'm asking you to rebuke the spirit of deafness right now in Jesus' name. And he pulled his fingers out of his ears and he said, how's your hearing now? And he said, I don't know. I don't go till next Thursday. <laughs> court, folks, court. <laughs> My wife kept looking at me she said, <laughs> bless your heart. I love you. <laughs> no, uh, so sometimes, and, I, and I, I recognize that, I recognize how sometimes we hear something that's not really being said. It was like, you know, there was a lady that sent up a prayer request, and the pastor was reading it, and it said, husband gone to see, S-E-A, wife request prayer. And he read it, and he, he took out, he didn't pause. He, he took the comma out, and they couldn't see what was written on the paper. And he just, so the prayer request came out like this, husband gone to see wife, request prayer. <laughs> Changed the meaning completely. Are you with me? Okay, so sometimes we see, you know, you're looking at the same thing, but you don't see it. So the title of my message today is, Do You See What I See? Would you say that with me? Do you see what I see? That, I'll tell you, that just sounds like it'd make a great song. Uh, do you see what I see? I, years ago, I was hunting with a brother out of the church. His name was uh, Brother Wheatley. And we were rabbit hunting. And we came out across this field, and there's a piece of sheet metal that was laying on the ground just a, you know a, a square of it and he said there's a rabbit underneath there <laughs> I looked at him I said yeah right he said no there's a rabbit underneath there and so I go yeah okay and he says you get ready to shoot it so I'm playing along with him I'm thinking right you know so I get my gun up you know and all that and he, he whips that sheet metal off there and this rabbit takes off and I'm <laughs> I mean, I, I thought, and I, if I looked at him, I said, how, how did you know there was a rabbit there? And he said, there were some scratch marks on the edge of that piece of metal that he saw. And that's how he knew the rabbit was there. And I thought, I was looking at the exact same thing, but I didn't see what he saw. Do you see what I see? I've thought about how that you can be looking at something and not really see it. Debbie's got great eyes, 
beautiful eyes, honey. <laughs> she can see good, too. But uh, from a distance, you know, she can just So we were out here the other night, and we were in the chapel, and she said, look at that deer over there in the field. And I'm looking, I said, where? She said, right there, right there by the, you know, down. I, I've got my face pressed up against the glass. Where? I, I couldn't, I never did see it. I don't know if she was making it up. No, she said it was there. But I couldn't see it, and we were looking at the same thing. To kind of help you get a grip of this, we've all been there at some time or another. And I want to show you some things that maybe will help you remember that sometimes when you're looking at it, you're just not seeing it. Throw that first shot up, please. You see that? What is that? It's a bug that blends in with what? That leaf. Now, that's pretty, I mean, you know, that's easy to see on this great big screen because that bug, man, if that bug was that big in real life, I'd be running right now. But, but when, you're, when you're walking through a garden and you see something like that and it's small and it's on a leaf, it's just you, sometimes you can look at it and not even see it. Go to the next one. See, now, that's a little different, isn't it? That's a little harder to see. Can you see it? Do you see what I see? See, here's the head of the bug right here, and you can see its two eyes. But laid on that leaf, you can imagine walking through the woods or a garden, how hard that would be to spot even if you were looking right at it. Take a look at this. Those things used to freak me out when I was a kid. You see it? That walking stick. You ever reach down? I remember one time I was reaching down, and when a stick moves on its own, man, it'll make you jump back and give you pause. You can look at it, and it, it blends in, and sometimes you don't even see it. Okay, let's go to the next one. Check out that. That's a lizard. Do you see it? Wave your hand if you can see it. Right here is its head. See the eye? And the nose and his body comes in, but he blends in. Now, go to the next one. If I hadn't circled that, well, I didn't circle it, but whoever circled that, if they hadn't circled it, we probably would really struggle to see this. You see it, right? You can see the eyes are the big giveaway here, but the rest of that body blends in. And I thought about how you can look at something and not even see it. Now, here's a big one. Are you ready? This is the last one. See if you can see it. This is called a 3D image. And I'm going to tell you, when I was looking at it, it, and it took me a while to get it, and I thought, boy, I can't put this up until I see this because then I'm, I'm not going to be able to say with the surety that it's there. Can you see it? Let me give you a hint. It's a jet, a fighter jet that's flying directly towards you. Do you see it? Now you can't unsee it. It helps a little bit if you go cross-eyed. When you, when, I'm serious. If, you, if you, you're looking at it and kind of go cross-eyed, and all of a sudden it'll pop out at you. I, I looked at that, and then once I finally saw it, I couldn't hardly unsee it. This came out years ago and before cell phones. Because, how do you know that? Because I had a watch on. 
And I was standing in Walmart, and they had these posters of this stuff that was being sold. And there was a friend of mine there, and he said, can you see that? And he was telling me everything that's in that picture. And I'm thinking, you're pulling my leg, man. I said, there's nothing in there. And he said, no, I'm telling you, it's there. And he said, take your watch and, and, and reflect your watch on that poster, and sometimes that helps to bring it in. I, people must have thought I was out of my mind. They're walking by me, and I'm standing there doing this in Walmart. But, buddy, when I saw it, I didn't care who was around. I, ah, I can see it. I can see it. And, man, I, and I just wanted to keep looking at it. How many of you saw it? Did any of you see it? Raise your hand if you finally saw it. Dean and Ron, it's so good to see you. I see you. I see you. Give them a big hand for being here. We're glad they're here. So you, who saw it? Wave your hand if you saw it. Okay, one, two, three, three, three people, four. So I got witnesses back there that you could see it. Don't worry, after service, we'll put it back up. Don't forget at the end of service, put it back up. And let's, get, let's film everybody standing up here staring, just trying to, trying to see it. So it's, do you see what I see? In Numbers 13, there's something that transpires and I, I, I want you to hang on with me for a moment because I, I want to show you how what we see makes a difference in who we are. This is Numbers 13, starting with verse 18. Moses is instructing 12 men to go spy out a land of promise, and this is what he says. See what the land is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they protected like open field or open camps or unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see, and it happened to be the season for harvesting ripe grapes. So Moses sends them out. To look at the land there's 12 men that go out and they are in the land for 40 days they come back and they bring this report back to Moses this is in 13 starting with verse 27 now this was their report to Moses we entered the land you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country a land flowing with milk and honey here's the kind of fruit it produces so they start out focused on the promise of God. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. They're seeing what God promised, but suddenly their focus shifts. Now watch this. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. When you shift focus, it has an effect on you. Ten, twelve went out, ten bring back that report. We saw the promises there, but man, all this stuff is there, and all, you know, and, and there are giants there, and, and, and then, but Caleb, watch what happens here. Now look, Caleb responds, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go up at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. They're seeing giants, and he's seeing opportunity. 
Let us go up at once. We can conquer it. Now, listen, but the other men, this is starting in verse 30, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report. Everybody say, well, I was thinking more about the word spread. Everybody say spread. When you sow discord, it always has negative results. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We cannot go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report among the land of the, or about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. And all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. They both looked at exactly the same thing. One comes back with a negative report, and it has an impact on the entire nation. Two men came back. Joshua and Caleb came back. We're more than able. Let's go up at once. And so they're seeing the same thing. But their perception of it is completely different. Everybody say it with me one more time. Do you see what I see? Now, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. What we see will determine how we respond. Say it with me. What we see will determine how we respond. So, a while back, I can't remember what it was. What, the, the, we had a, I don't know if it was Mike had a mannequin out here for something that he, that there, there was, oh, it was that, that night, the night for Agape. There was a, a night out here uh, sometime, it may have been a mannequin when I saw I can't remember but anyway I'm, I'm walking along and when I, I walked in to a room and I caught this thing out of the corner of my eye I nearly hit it I mean it was it, 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 I, I, I thought and you know how silly you feel when all of a sudden you go to take a swing at a mannequin doesn't even have a head on it just, you know, and it, it was just like, it just, you know, I, I saw it, but my perception of what I saw was skewed. Their perception of what I saw was messed up. Now, remember, what we see will determine how we respond. Look at this, Numbers 14 one and four this is this is what happens when they sow this discord then the whole community everybody say everybody then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against moses and aaron if only we died in egypt or even here in the wilderness why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves to choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Their response is if only 
we had died in Egypt or this wilderness, and then they say, let's go back to bondage. Did you ever hear the term, is that glass half full or half empty? Because how you perceive it is going to determine your response to it. When you tend to look at things negatively throughout your life, it's going to have such a devastating impact on you that sometimes it makes it very difficult to ever reach the place that God has promised you. Don't y'all shout on me. <laughs> but when, when you see things through the spectrum of God's eyes, when you start seeing things through the spectrum of the promise of God, it changes things. Listen to this. This is uh, Joshua and Caleb. Numbers 14, starting with verse 7. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is wonderful land. That's a far cry from what I just heard a minute ago. It's a wonderful land. Everybody say wonderful. I like that word, wonderful. He's a mighty God, wonderful counselor. <laughs> See, what happens is sometimes we just, oh, he's wonderful. No, no, you, you need to let some of these words sink in. You need, to, you need to stop long enough to really enjoy what you're looking at. I was talking to, I think, uh, Gina, and she was talking about her husband was, had been at uh, Jackson, Jackson Hole. And I said, were you there? Did you? So, no, I didn't go. And I'm thinking, are you kidding? You had the chance to go. You, you know, and then, but she's saying, but after they told me about it, I'm, I'm going to go next time. Why? If you ever stand at Jackson Hole, Wyoming... The Teton Mountains, which are what? The most the reason I'm pointing to her is we went there, and for about a month or two after that, Debbie would tell everybody they're the most photographed mountains in the world. They're the most photographed. I took a picture. This is a true story. I took a picture of those mountains and caught the reflection of the mountain in the water, went to Walmart to have my film developed. They asked to keep my picture or if they could make a copy of it, and they kept it on file there. Why? It wasn't because I was a great photographer. It was because what I was looking at was awesome. Do you understand it's not about us it's all about him he said it's a wonderful land it's a wonderful land they made it about God it's a wonderful land and if the Lord is pleased with us he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us it is a rich land flowing with milk and honey do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. <laughs> it, I, I'm telling you, you, you got to get this. You got to let this sink in because there's 10 people that are trash talking what God's promise is. And they managed to get a whole nation upset. Two people are saying, don't listen to that. I, I was there. I, I saw it. And I'm telling you, God is able. God's more than enough. They are helpless. Do you see what I see? 
Joshua and Caleb believed God was more than able to give them the land. Now, I want you to catch this. This is important. The way we respond to God has a huge impact on how God responds to us. Let me say it again. The way we respond to God has a huge impact on how God responds to us. Let me show it to you. Numbers 14 and 10. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. The way they responded to God triggered how God responded to them. He's going to destroy them. He tells Moses, I'm going to make a greater nation out of you. Now watch this, watch this. Because you think, well, man, that's a, a whole nation. What, what can I do? If you have faith the size of a grain of mustard, or as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it should obey you. An entire people are griping and complaining against God. And God says, I'm going to wipe them out. And one man stepped up and responded to God this way. Lord, please don't, don't do this in your anger. I'm asking you to forgive them. Show your mercy. The mercy like you talked about. You're, you're a God that's forever faithful. You're a God that forgives. So show your mighty mercy to them, Lord. God, because if you do this, then the Egyptians are going to say, it's because you couldn't deliver them into land, so you destroyed them in the wilderness. Please, God, pardon their sin. I'm asking you to pardon them. The way we respond to God has a huge impact on how God responds to us. Now watch this. All of a sudden, Numbers 14 and 20. This is how the Lord responds to Moses. Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested. But as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of those people will ever enter that land. They have seen all my glorious presence and miraculous signs that performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they've tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I will bring him into the land and he, and he, land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. God's going to destroy them, annihilate them. Moses says, please, God, forgive them according to your great mercy. And God says, I have pardoned them as you've requested, but they're not 
going to inherit the promise. So God responds to them the way they responded to him. They had said, would to God that we had died in this wilderness. And God said, that's exactly what I'm going to let you do. You walked through this promised land for 40 days, saw the fruit of it, saw what I had spoken to you about was indeed true. But because you didn't believe, I could do it. I'm going to sentence you to one year for every day you walk through that land. You're going to spend 40 years in this wilderness, and you'll die in this wilderness. And those children that you said would be taken captive, those are the same children that I'm going to rise up and I'm going to deliver that land to them. And they're going to worship. They're going to know me. They're going to glorify me. They're going to see the hand of God at work. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, by the way, Caleb and Joshua, they're going to get to walk in too. Because don't hear what I'm saying. Just because everybody else is complaining doesn't mean you have to. Don't get sucked into it. I go to vacuum my car with Vivian a lot of times, and I'm, you know, I wash the car. You know, I'll go through that car wash and get that vacuum cleaner out, and Vivian's always waiting for me in the back seat because I'll be vacuuming, and all of a sudden I'll reach up and get a hold of her with that. No, Papa, no, don't vacuum me up. Don't vacuum me up. <laughs> if we're not careful, we can get sucked in. Ten people sucked in an entire nation. And they missed out on what they could have had. I want you to think about that. It was theirs for the taking. The only thing that stopped them from having it was the way they responded to God. Do you see what I see? Everybody say it one more time. Do you see what I see? We desperately need to see what the Lord sees. And the only way that we can do that is by looking through the eyes of faith. Everybody say faith. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You have to say what you see in the spirit so you can see what you're saying they all saw the same thing they came back and their focus was on the giants but Joshua came back and his focus was on God let us go up at once we're more than able to conquer it while everyone else was seeing giants Joshua and Caleb were seeing opportunities Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, it's an opportunity. No, no, say that it's an opportunity. We have to learn how to see what God sees. Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? Oh, I don't want to speak anything out because... They'll rain on my parade. Buy an umbrella. Make up your mind. That true story. A man uh, in the turn of the century, 
they, they, I'm trying to pull his name up. I just lost his name. He, he was one of the reformers, and they, they were having a drought. He had criticized the church people. He would go into the church and he would set somebody, help me, I'm giving you some information here so you can tell me who I'm talking about. <laughs> he, would, he would go in and he would listen to the preacher and the preacher hated after church was over. He tried his best to avoid him because the guy would bring him, he, he, the guy would corner the preacher and start going through all the points that he missed and how he could have done better. And the guy was an attorney. He went into a factory. Help me out here. I'm giving you more information. I'm thinking. He, he went into a factory, and they were praying for revival. He went into a factory, and as he started walking by factory workers, they dropped in the floor on their knees and began to repent before God. Do you know who he is yet? Neither do I. <laughs> okay. Your homework assignment. All right, let me go ahead and tell what I was going to tell. So there's a drought. They're, they're having a drought. I cannot believe I can't pull this man up. A drought. They're having a drought in the land. It depends on what part of the country you're from. Some have a drought. Others have a drought. So they, they're, they're having no rain in this part of the country. And they gathered together. They, had, they called for a prayer meeting. And they are going to pray for rain. And, I mean, they shut down factories. And people came from their, from their job sites and their workplaces. And they came to where this prayer meeting was and they had asked this man whose name remains anonymous I can't remember his name and, and, and they asked this man to come and and lead the prayer and so they go to lead he, he gets there and when he gets there he stands up before the crowd and as he stands up before the crowd he's looking out at everybody and as he's looking out at everybody he's saying well you all know why we're here right because when he came up, he came up with an umbrella. And it hadn't rained. And he had an umbrella and walked up on that platform. And he looked out over the crowd and he said, you know why we're here, right? And said, yeah, he said, I want to know, where's your umbrellas? And they all looked at him kind of funny. And he started praying. And he was the only one that left there not wet. <laughs> Because when he started praying, God opened up the skies. It started pouring down rain. That man exercised faith. He put more than just words to it. He put action to it. Do you see what I see? Thank you. Praise God they win. I don't know what I'm, I'm going to give you something. Hang on. Charles Finney. The man's name was Charles Finney. Thank you so much. I didn't want these people to think I was making some guy up. Okay. Charles, let's give Charles Finney a hand. He's gone on to be with the Lord. Do, do, when, when others see giants, you ought to see opportunity. Can, can I have three more minutes? I can have five. You should have never said that. When, when some are seeing giants, others are seeing opportunity. There's an entire army that has been shut down and intimidated by a guy that's nine foot and nine inches tall. He wears armor that weighs 150 pounds. His spearhead weighs 15 pounds. And no one is willing to stand up to him because all they saw was a giant. But there was a little young guy that had been spending some time in the hills with some sheep. And while he'd been up there, he'd been talking to God. Prayer changes things. 
I said prayer changes things. You, you may feel like you're secluded and, and then nobody sees you. You just keep talking to God because when God calls your number, he's going to have something happen and he's got a plan for your life and he's going to bring you to the forefront. And all of a sudden, he's up there, and, and, and you know, and, and his dad said, hey, well, go check out how the battle's going. You know, go, go, go say hello to your brothers. Take some food with you, you know, and bring word back to me. Let me know. He goes in there, and about the time he goes in there, here comes Goliath. Send me a man to fight. I defy the armies of the living God. David looked at that. And armies of people, of men that are seasoned in battle, see him and they back up. When David saw him, he stepped up. <laughs> and he said, who does he think he is? Who does that uncircumcised Philistine think he is to defy the armies of the living God? And then all of a sudden, David felt something start moving in him. You need to understand, when you see what I see, it'll make you move. <laughs> When you see what I see, it'll get your it, it'll it'll turn your frown upside down. Take a good look. Sir, when you see what I see. What people saw in David was a boy that tended sheep. What God saw was a man after his own heart. And to be able to step into the role of a man after God's heart, he had to respond to what he was seeing, even when nobody else could see it. There are going to be times in your life where God is showing you things that no one else may understand. And if you allow negative voices to rob you of what you're seeing, you'll never know what God would have done. I spent years in a factory, and it got pretty intense, where I was going to work and I was hearing a voice in my head saying why are you still here my people need to know they're winners and not losers I could not see myself being able to walk away from that job it was security it was a paycheck I, I had seniority I couldn't see myself walking away from it and I kept praying and asking God and the voice wouldn't go away but nobody could hear what I heard and then all of a sudden, I prayed, God, show me what you want me to do. And God gave me a dream. <laughs> and when I saw that dream, and I watched myself turn from a man to a beast, I said, God, I'm sorry, I should have been evangelizing. And I looked at that doctor in my dream and I said, get my papers ready. I'm going to spend the rest of the time I have evangelizing. And the doctor leaned over and lifted my eye up and looked in my eye. And he said, you know, there's nothing wrong with you after all. And I woke up. And I said, okay, God, I got it. I'll go. Would you say it with me right now? I'll go. 
I'll do it. Whatever you're asking me to do, I will do it. Come on, come on. Whatever you're asking me to do, I'll do it. We, too many times we get down with God and we start praying. We say, God, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. And we never ask God what he wants. We lay out to God our, our agenda and everything we want. And we never ask God. And God wanted them to see and understand. Well, why didn't God just clear all those giants out so they could just walk in? Because you don't appreciate what you don't fight for. You don't appreciate things that are just handed to you. You, you, You've got to have a relationship with God where you've fought some devils, where you've had to stand up against hell and know that he's victorious. When it looked like there was no way, and he made a way. (laughs) Somebody say it with me. He made a way. Who was that song just sung? He'll make a way where there seems to be. Who, if I could sing, you'd all be in trouble right now. What do you see? Caleb walked through that wilderness for 40 years because of. Would you bring me a handkerchief, please? Or I guess that's called a napkin. Kleenex. I knew there was a name for it. (laughs) Caleb walked through that wilderness for 40 years. I don't know. I'm just, okay, if I were Caleb, this is what I would have been doing. Walking through it 40 years, thinking about what had been in his grasp. And looking around at all the folks that was postponing his journey. But he remained faithful. And at the end of that 40 years, Moses is gone now. And Joshua's in charge. And they're taking possession of the land. And he walks into that land. And they go by an old familiar place. A place where there stood a mountain. And he walked up to Joshua, and this is what he said. This is in Joshua 14, starting verse 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you wholly followed the Lord my God. And now... Behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old, and I'm as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength now for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore... Give me this mountain which the Lord spoke of that day. Somebody shouted out, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. 
I may be 85, but I still got some kick in me. Give me my, for the last 45 years, I've thought about that mountain. I've reminisced about that mountain. I've dreamed about that mountain. I've reminded myself what God said about that mountain. Give me this mountain. Oh, you need to hear what I'm saying. Now hear me, because a lot of times what happens is as we get older, we start feeling like, well, I can't do what I used to do. Really? Fourth of July, I was at my daughter's house swimming in her pool. Got out, you know, she had one of those above ground pools, like four feet. Got out, and instead of coming down the ladder this way, I came to, down the ladder this way. <laughs> Tell me I'm old. I stepped down, she had plastic on the ground. And when I stepped on that plastic, that plastic was wet. CJ, there was, there was an air mattress that had no air in it that was on there, and apparently my foot hit that. You remember that little episode I did here a few years ago? <laughs> they were doing a replay of it on the 4th of July. And I, my foot hit that plastic, and man, my feet went out from underneath me. I went airborne, and I plowed this shoulder right into the ground. So during praise and worship, if you saw me doing this, there was a reason for it. <laughs> but I thought, God, I, I can't do this. I can't, you know, and there was some pain involved. And I thought, God, and I started praying. I said, God, I got stuff I got to do, man. I can't, I need you to help me out here. I can't let this happen to me. And so, and I, and so I made up my mind, I'm, it's not going to stop me. So I just had to go about it a little bit different. So that, that week I was moving stuff, you know, because we got, we're moving out of the life center and I was moving stuff. And so I had that van and, and I, I was taking those seats out of that van. <laughs> as long as I kept this arm, oh, this arm low, I was good. I learned how to shift with this hand. Pull it in gear and start it over here. See, what I'm saying is this, is there's always going to be a reason and an opportunity for you not to move. You have to make up your mind. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what the devil says. I am going to move. I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going forward. Everybody say forward. How many of you remember Noah? I told you you shouldn't never said five minutes. You remember Noah? Do you happen to know how old Noah was when he finished building the ark he was 600 years old when he finished building the ark he was 500 years old when he started building the ark so he spent a hundred years on one project do you know by chance how long he lived after the flood Noah lived 350 years after the flood what's all that got to do with well I want to take a look at what Noah did Noah had spent a hundred years of his life waking every morning and praying to God and thanking him for the opportunity to be saved from this world with his family he woke up every morning with a purpose he woke up every morning with a plan 
He woke up every morning with a project, and he went after it. He sawed wood day in and day out, and when the sun went down, his work didn't stop. He had to spend the night sharpening those saws. It wasn't like he had a steel chainsaw. He had to build 1.1 million board feet of lumber just to do the outside of the ark. And he had a passion because every time he looked at his babies, he knew that the promise God made him was the only thing standing between them and destruction. So he grabbed hold of the promise and took God at his word. When that sky broke open and it started pouring down rain, it had never rained before. He watched the skies open up and it looked like buckets pouring down. He's wondering, did I do everything right? Is this ark seaworthy? God, I hope I, hope I did it just like you told me. I, I, God, I, I trust you. I believe you. And when that boat started floating and he could hear the cries of people outside, he realized he was safe in the arms of God with his family. They would spend a little over a year on that boat before the earth finally dried out and they opened it up and came down. They sacrificed animals and God was pleased and they saw a rainbow fill the sky. But time goes on, you know. How, remember, how many of you remember your 21st birthday? How long ago was that? Somebody said in the last century. <laughs> what, are you, what are you getting at? I'm saying that you were so excited. Remember when you turned 16? Fucking drive. Couldn't wait to go get my license and got in behind that wheel and got out there driving all by myself. Looked around and I thought, this probably isn't really smart. There I was just all by myself. I, you get to that point where you, you see something, but then it passes, and so you start to lose the excitement and the thrill that you had during the journey. Moses has parked this ark, hung up his tools. It's been 350. He plants a vineyard and gets drunk. What did I say? Moses. Moses is somebody else. <laughs> Noah I'm not the first one to let Moses build the ark, by the way. But Noah, Noah plants a vineyard. He drinks from the wine. He gets drunk. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it dawned on me. We've been there. Nobody needs me now. Nobody needs an ark. The flood's gone. Tools are rusting. Cobwebs in the ark. Nobody needs me, so he begins to drink the wine of disappointment, the wine of discouragement, and he feels like I have no purpose. But Noah needed to understand that his journey wasn't over yet. 
that God still had a plan for him. Noah, you're going to live for 350 years, son, and there's going to be generation after generation after generation that needs to hear your story about how God can deliver you out of the storm, about when all, of hell, when all the world is going to hell in a handbasket, God is able to rescue you. God's grace is there for the journey, and he'll give you and equip you with what you need to get you and your family through it. Everybody say, get through it. Would you stand with me? Don't drink the wine. Do you see what I see? Quit looking at giants and start seeing opportunities. Wherever you're at in your life, you're not going to go through life without struggle. You're not going to go through life without pain. What I'm saying is this, is you have to learn how to turn your pain into purpose, to turn your struggle into a testimony, and let the world know what you've got your eyes set on. Do you see what I see? You know what I see? When I look around this building and I look in your faces, I see opportunity. I see purpose and I see power. I see faces in here that can tell Noah's story about how God delivers out of the storm. I see faces that can tell the story about when you've been written off and said you don't count and you don't matter. How you can stand up. Wait, well, Pastor, what are, you, what are you supposed to do when somebody comes up and starts throwing your past in your face? Smile real big and say, it's a testimony to amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me don't let the devil shame you don't let the devil back you up in a corner stand up and declare the goodness of God when giants are breathing down your neck just smile and reach down and pick up a stone so you remember this <laughs> the same God that did it for David will do it for us. The same God that took a land that flowed with milk and honey and turned it over to a people that had no land. The only thing they had was a relationship with God. And my friend, that's all they needed. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? Father, we want to come to you today and thank you for all that you've done for us as a body. We thank you, God, for all the souls that have come in. And we thank you that more are coming. Our prayer continues to be, send us the lost. God, let us see lives changed. We thank you, God, that you took the yoke of debt off of our necks and you let us walk free today.
thank you for that. Thank you, God, that each individual in here, God, is an instrument in your hand to be able to use for your purpose and your plan. Thank you, God. And help us to see what you see in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in this house. If you're in here and you've got a need, we want to pray for you. I'll let you come to the front. But I, I want you to get this. I want you to walk in purpose. And let me, let me leave you with this. If you, if you need prayer, come on up to prayer while I'm sh sharing this. And remember, immediately after this service, we're going to the Live Center for the spaghetti dinner and the auction over there. You want to make sure you're part of that. It's always a lot of fun. I want you to look at your neighbor and say this to me right now. Or say this to them right now. You are highly valuable. Say it one more time. You are highly valuable. Okay, now let me, let me, give me, give me two seconds here. They were at an auction. And the auctioneer held up a violin. He said, what are my bids on this fiddle? Somebody bid a dollar and then two. And the auctioneer said, for this fine fiddle, two dollars. And somebody else said, oh, I'll give three. And a man came walking down the aisle and walked up to where the auctioneer was. And when he got to where the auctioneer was, he took the fiddle out of the auctioneer's hand. He placed it under his chin and he began to play. And music filled that room. He hit notes that caused people to feel chill, chills go up and down their back. And when he finished, he handed it back to the auctioneer. And the auctioneer said, what are my bids? And somebody said, I'll give a thousand, I'll give two. And it kept going up and up and up. And a little boy was standing there and he's going, I don't, I don't understand what just happened. And he said, son, you've just discovered the value when something is in the master's hand. Mm. Oh, you may feel like you don't count, that you don't matter. But you let yourself be released into the hand of God and you're going to find out you're worth more than you ever dreamed you could be worth. You've got a need, I want you to come right now. Right now. Just come to the front of this building. I want to pray for this gentleman. Would you just stretch your hands and love him with me right now? Gary needs a touch today. Yes. And I know a God that can give him the touch he needs, don't you? Break the unbreakable. God, we God, we believe for it from the impossible. We'll see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. Move the immovable. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. Possible, we'll see.
Understanding that the best is in front of us, not behind us. I've always thought about how, you know, we, we write God off, we build our ark, and then we feel like we don't matter. 350 years. Yes. You're not done. I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. And it's not about how much time. I got left it's about what God can do in the time I that's got right, left that's right. I knew a minister that turned 70 retired from pastoring I knew of him he retired from pastoring he felt like man I got nothing I can do he ended up going he was gonna go overseas with a missionary 
the missionary didn't go and he'd already bought his ticket and he said well what am I supposed to do now and the guy told me he said well I made arrangements for somebody to meet you go ahead and go he goes to I believe it was India he goes over there said they meet him at the airport he sits around the house for about a week and he feels like what am I even doing here and he got up one day and got dressed in his suit and tie and they, the missionary looked at him and said where are you going he said I'm gonna go meet the mayor and the, the missionary started laughing and said, meet the mayor. He said, I've been here for years. I've never been able to get in to meet the mayor. He said, what makes you think you can meet the mayor? And he said, I'm just going to go. He goes to the mayor's office. He hands him the card. He, had, he, he was an educated man. They looked behind his card and they saw these letters, PhD, H, whatever, you know, several letters. And, they, and they, they took it into the mayor and he said, ooh, this must be an important man. And they, they told him, he said, they came back out and told him, he said, come back this afternoon and the mayor will meet with you. So he goes back to the missionary's house and he said, got turned down, huh? And he said, no, I'm supposed to go back this afternoon. I'm going to meet with him. He goes back that afternoon. The mayor had gathered all of his counsel in. And he sat down and the mayor looked at him. And he said, what is it that you, you have for us? What do you want to tell us about? He starts telling them about Jesus and they all got saved. <laughs> for the next, for the next, they, they hear me. He said, well, what do you want to do? He said, I'd like to go into your universities. They opened up the universities to him. He started going in and sharing the gospel. He, got, he, got, he traveled across that country, and he started going into other countries. 16, you know, they told him, and this is a funny thing to me, is because when the missionary, you know, they, when he told his family, I'm going to India, they said, you can't go over there. You could die over there. He looked at me and said, well, it's as close to heaven from India as it is from the U.S. 16 years later, he's 86 years old. He has traveled into multiple countries and had universities open to him, and he shared the gospel to hundreds of thousands of people. And he was scheduled to speak shortly, and he said, I'm just going to lay down and take a nap. And he laid down, and he discovered that heaven was just as close to India as it was to the U.S., but he accomplished more yes. in the last 16 years of his life than he had in the 70 years before. Oh, do you see what I see? This is a moment of intensity. This is a moment of promise. This is a moment of power. And God is saying, stir up the gift that's in you. I got a plan and I got a, you got a purpose. And it's time we do it together. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you at the Live Center.